Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have Q&A round one. This week, you guys get double Q&As because we had a ton of questions sent in. Guys, if you love these podcasts, these Q&As, and you love getting your question answered, or if you have never asked a question before and you want specific help for your training or nutrition, this is literally the best place to get coaching advice completely free. We're going to shout you out, we're going to answer your questions, and we're going to give you value so that you can get better results. So what I recommend you doing is going into the show notes, click the link that allows you to ask us a question. You can fill out that form. You can also shoot me a DM on Instagram if you want. Either way, send in a question for the podcast. Let me know it's a question for the podcast if if you're sending me a DM, Um, and we'd love to help you out. It's the easiest way for us to make sure that you're getting help, you're getting results, you're getting better because of our podcast. Um, With that being said, this podcast is full of training and nutrition content. We also dive into a personality question on the number one skill we would love to have that we don't have right now um, at the end. So we're going to finish these podcasts with a personality question going forward. Guys, if you love this podcast, once again, do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and make sure you head over to Instagram. Tag me in your story by posting a screenshot and tagging at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to thank you for listening. Appreciate you listening and I want to share it on my story as well. Without any further ado, let's jump into the questions. All right, another Q&A. We got about six questions a day. We are going to get right into it. We got the uh, first question from Kofi Sam Pimpong. I have have clients who want to burn 1,000 in each workout. I'm assuming it's 1,000 calories. Yeah. I don't think you have to burn 1,000 calories to have a good productive workout, and I don't want the client to get discouraged or angry if it doesn't at a certain point. If you had a client who told you this, how would you go about navigating the situation with empathy and reason? As most people can probably imagine, education. <laughs> like it, it depends, and I would educate them. I think the the problem is that people focus too much on how many calories they're burning and they attach that. It's kind of like like people chase a sweat, you know, like, oh, I didn't even get sweaty in that workout. It's like, well, what metric does sweat provide besides like a nasty odor? <laughs> you know, like there's nothing. It, there's no direct like correlation between how much you sweat and how many calories you burn or how much fat you lose. Yeah. There's a correlation different. between how much you sweat and how much water you drink. Yeah. Right? How hydrated are you? The more hydrated you are, the more water you have to sweat out. Yeah. You know, how hot it is. But like, um, for example, I'm just not a sweater. Like, I don't sweat. My feet sweat. That's it. Yeah. Which sucks because that's like the worst place. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's nasty. Uh, that's a problem. But um, but I don't sweat much. doesn't mean I don't burn calories. doesn't mean I don't burn fat. So um, I, I just try to explain to them like educate them on what, what, it need, what it means to actually lose body fat. What does it take to lose body fat? What creates a caloric deficit? Um, how influential nutrition is in lifestyle uh, – intervention, I guess, habits, things like that. And training 
strength training are in order to lose fat over the long term in comparison to a single day's caloric expenditure. Yeah. And I would also educate them on how most caloric expenditure, like, uh, things that track it trackers. Yeah. Uh, they're wrong. They're incorrect. They're not very accurate. So your Fitbit, your Apple watch, um, what you punch in for exercise on your, my fitness pal, the treadmill, especially like if you are walking on the treadmill and you punch in your weight and it gives you a calorie burn, how does that treadmill know how much of your weight is muscle versus fat? Cause that changed it. How does it know, um, how your hormones are in balance, how your metabolism is like, how, uh, like, are you in a deficit? Have you been in deficit for a long time? Cause if you have been, you're going to be burning less calories now than you would have been before yeah. the diet. Like the treadmill doesn't know that the treadmill just spits out a calculation. It's completely inaccurate. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest problem with people tracking how many calories they burn is cause they, they often tweak their diet based on that. So like, Oh, I burned more calories today. I'm going to add a little bit of food in. Well, that de- defeats the purpose of being on a diet. Like I never have people track their calories for that reason because I don't want them to have this relationship with food where they think more exercise means they can eat more and get away with more, you know? Yeah. Um, so in general, I think like emp- like to be empathetic, I get it. I understand. Yeah. I used to do it too. There's your empathy. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know exactly why you think that. And I also understand why you think that in the sense of like – it, it theoretically makes sense. You burn more calories in this session. That's what you want to do more often to lose more weight. But let me explain to you long-term adaptations. Let me s- explain to you how your metabolism actually works. Let me explain to you how the nutrition piece is going to be a bigger piece than cardio, caloric expenditure, and how strength training burns less calories during a session than cardio session does. But strength training is better for fat loss long-term yeah. because it has a longer-term metabolic effect, has a more long-term muscle growth effect, so on, a hormonal effect, so on and so forth. Um so I think it's just it's just explaining the science in simple terms to them. Yeah. You know? so, well, you say uh, you say educate them on and educate them on what it takes. Mm-hmm. So what does it take? Strength training, better sleep, stress management, diet, worrying about. And even when we add cardio, I'm not going to tell you to track your calories. Just adds another element to confuse you and yeah. and skew the things. And I'm not going to even use that data. So why would I want you to record it? Hmm. So. Um, I'm going to put you on a strength training plan. I'm going to give you a good diet. That's going to produce the result. Yeah. When you hit a plateau, um, I'm going to ask you, and I'll explain this to the person before we even start. So they know what to expect. I'm going to ask you when you hit a plateau, would you rather have me pull food from your diet or give you cardio to do? Yeah. Because at this point we need to create a bigger deficit. It's up to you. If they're like, I want to eat, I want to keep eating this much food. I don't want to take food away. Cool. You're training four days a week. We're going to add two days of cardio, 30 minutes walking on the treadmill, yep. riding the assault bike, whatever it is. But if they're good with a deficit. If they're like, I don't want to do any cardio, it's like, cool, we're going to pull 250 calories. You know, it's it's that simple. Yeah. So I think it, just explaining to them the processes and then explaining to them what you would rather do. And then maybe even using some, like, anecdotal experience. Like, hey, I, I got ready. Like, for me, I could be like, hey, I got ready for this photo shoot. Guess what? I didn't do any cardio at all, actually. I just walked in the mornings. I went on a 10-minute walk in the mornings. That's part of my morning routine. I just kept my step count and I got this lean. Hmm. That's proof. You do not have to do cardio to get this lean. Is cardio healthy? Yeah. So you might want to, but you don't have to. It's not the answer. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, next question comes from Natalia Salazar. You know what I want to do? 
I don't actually want to, but sometimes I just want to go give that guy a hug. Our neighbor just sounds so angry all the time. Yeah. So for those listening, we have uh, – <laughs> For those listening. We have paper-thin walls here apparently, or he's just really loud. <coughs> and every day my desk is against this wall that butts up to our neighbor. And our neighbor talks on the phone quite a bit for yeah. his job. And I've never once heard him not be angry. Like he's always at cursing at somebody. Yeah. He's just pissed all the time. He just walked up. I was talking to my father-in-law outside. He just walked up and just gave us such a dirty look. Yeah. And then my father-in-law goes, I know that son of a bitch. Oh, my God. And I was like, do you? And he was like, I know him from somewhere. And I was like, damn, okay. Well, he's kind of an asshole. (laughs) But I was like, man, he's just so angry all the time. Puts me in a bad mood. Then he probably gets mad because I turn up the music to, like, drown out his Yeah. You know what he reminds me of? This is weird. But – He's like a cross between, um, I think it's the dad on that 70s show, Red. Oh, yeah. It's a cross between him and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Because Danny DeVito has the bald spot with the two hairs on the side. Yeah. But this guy's a little taller and stockier, but oh, my God. And Red from that 70s show was hilarious. Yeah. You remember his- Kind of has that round face. Yeah. God, that's funny. Yeah, except Danny DeVito's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember Can't that substitute teacher? It is. That, no, no, no. That I'm, used to say he was Red's brother? Yeah. Do you think he actually was? He used to always say that that no, was his brother. No, but what, what do we have to, like, why? You're in junior high. Yeah, no, no. It was Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And he used to love play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, no. He looked just like him. Yeah. And he Identical. used to say all the time, oh, that's my brother. Yeah. And that, like, I really thought it was. And then I, like, turned, like, 16. I was like, that guy has to be lying. But who knows? But who knows? Yeah. That's the cool thing about being a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you can make up some crazy stories. Yeah. Kids aren't going to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <there's> all <laughs> make up a past life that's just like insane. There was a student teacher. And I, I think this is actually real. Uh, student teacher for our 11th grade history class, Shelbers class. He had a student teacher named, um, oh, I don't know. Zach Barlow used to hit on her all class long as uh, <laughs> Stacy Arico's sister. It's a one-hit wonder. It's like a, a JoJo. You know, like. Oh, like she was actually like a, a singer? Not the not the student teacher, her sister. Oh, dang. But it was Mrs. Rico. But uh, that's her last name. So, like, it legit was her sister. That's I'm what assuming, she said. yeah. And she told us all the stories about her family getting broken up because of the fame and all this Whoa. crazy shit. But, yeah. Whoa. But, yeah, we tried to, like, meet her up at, uh, at like, that's when, like, MySpace or something yeah. like there. So, we tried to meet, at, meet her at the lake one time. It was weird, but... Yeah, that's weird. We were 17, man. We yeah. were, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good stories. Um, Shelbert's class was great. Yeah. Shelbert gave me the nickname Boom Boom. Touché. Actually, technically Vinny, but yeah, eventually Boom me. Boom Brothers. Yeah. All right. Natalia Salazar. Is it really beneficial to take a pre-workout? And if so, what is recommendation for women? My recommendation for all human beings is top-notch nutrition. <laughs> pre uh that's our pre-workout supplement pre is pre-workout necessary is her question uh no it is not it's is it really beneficial oh i think it can be beneficial mm-hmm. i also don't think it's necessary there you go um and that's coming from somebody who is affiliated with a supplement company <laughs> so like just being honest i don't think it's it's not required i didn't honestly i didn't take a pre-workout supplement for shit probably two or three years until I got with Top Notch, and then 
when they send you a box of pre-workout, you're going to take it, Yeah. you know, and I love the stuff. It definitely benefits me. It definitely helps. But I used to just drink a cup of coffee because in, in all research studies, like the number one ergogenic aid, which is basically an ergogenic aid is a supplement that enhances performance legally. Um, the yeah. number one ergogenic aid is always caffeine. It's, it's literally just caffeine. Caffeine increases your heart rate. It increases your adrenaline. It increases your central nervous system. It increases your alertness, your focus, your mental acuity. And those things all lead to better, more intense and more focused workouts. Mm -hmm. All the other stuff inside of a pre-workout is like half of a percent benefit, right? The caffeine is really what does it. So is pre-workout beneficial? Yes, it is. But pre-workout could be a rock star. Yeah. It could be a, I have clients that take a caffeine pill. They don't like coffee. So they take a caffeine pill. You can get caffeine pills. You take 250 milligrams of caffeine. It gives you that energy for the workout. You're great. And they have studies that show this group took it. This group didn't. The group that took it had better performance. Yeah. Why? Because they had more energy. Yeah. So is it beneficial? Yes. Um, if you like taking, if you're the type of person that likes, like I'm the type of person that will take anything that gives me a, like 0.5% be be benefit, you know? Yeah. Because like we were talking, me, me and Brandon were talking about this on the podcast. We just recorded for next month's research uh, roundup. And with betaine, which is a supplement that does improve performance in muscle growth and fat loss. It's a really cool supplement, but it's not at like a magic pill. You're not going to get huge results from it, but it, I can buy a bag of it that lasts me two months for 15 bucks. Yeah. I'm willing to spend 15 bucks on a half a percent improvement. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal to me. Half a percent a day? Sure. <laughs> I mean, half, like you, you might get a little percentage better from each workout, yeah. essentially. Um, now, something like creatine monohydrate, that gives you more than a percentage. Yeah. That's like a really good benefit. So that's something you definitely want to invest in. But again, it's not that expensive. Um, but I – so I take betaine. I take a pre-workout. I take creatine. I take ashwagandha, which is uh, helps cortisol, stress, and testosterone – um, it's a natural herb, um, vitamin D. Like I take all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, I will do every little thing to get, I want to be optimal. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for some people, optimal isn't practical <laughs> like that. By the time yeah. we post this, I might've already gone out. Yeah. But, um, so if it's not, then don't take it. I don't think you're going to like, it's not going to make or break you, but if you have the money to spend, then yeah, I think the things you could add into there with the caffeine, most pre-workouts have caffeine. If you have a cortisol issue or adrenal issue, you can get stimulant-free pre-workout where you're not taking a pre-workout that has much caffeine in it too. Um, but usually caffeine, a little bit of citrulline malate, a little bit of betaine, um, and then maybe some beta alanine. You put all those in a in a bottle and you're golden. Yeah. Dude, I used to have <laughs> a box. Do you remember those warehouse warehouser boxes? You ever seen those? Yeah, I think so. Like people use them for moving all the time. Yeah, or putting yeah, books yeah, in yeah. I used to have one of those. It was like my supplement box. I'd bring it with me to the gym. Oh. I worked at the gym, so yeah. it was okay for me to bring a box of supplements in <laughs> yeah. versus like a client you see just all on the floor with. That would not be okay. <laughs> it and, and I had like, I had citrulline malate, beta alanine, caffeine, creatine, and then dextrose, which is like a powdered carb, all in powder form these bags and bulk supplements yeah. it's like the company where you can just get bulk bags of these powders and i would take my shaker bottle and i had crystal light and i would like sit there and make a concoction of my own pre-workout before i worked out every day damn yeah it was like a it was like a little thing yeah that i did <laughs> how uh i know i always see you every single day take that pre-workout but uh how 
I don't want to say recommend, but how how long before the workout do you take it, or would you recommend taking it? Uh, thirty to sixty minutes. So, caffeine. So it depends what you're taking. If it's caffeine within sixty minutes, just like what do you mean? Coffee, caffeine pill, but like Coffee. six. 60 minutes before – so they, they show that like your your peak level of energy from caffeine supplementation is usually going to be be between 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. So if you start sipping your coffee at six an hour out and you finish by 30 minutes out, you're going to have good energy for that workout. Now, when you're taking a pre-workout supplement and there's also beta alanine and citrulline malate, those things kick in a little bit faster. So mm-hmm. I usually do it within 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. I tell you what, from – I'll speak for myself, I guess, but I, I've never – I, I – I don't think I've ever taken pre-workout. I might have once, like, not as a joke, but just to, like, see, but I, I don't even remember that. So I don't think I ever have. But I tell you what, if I drink a cup of coffee before I work out, I ain't feeling any different 30 minutes later. Like, <laughs> black coffee. I, I just – It's probably not enough But coffee. what people tell me about pre-workout, it's like they're ready to freaking run to the moon and back. We got to think, like, a cup of black coffee has about 150 gram, milligrams of caffeine. Yeah. A typical pre-workout supplement has at least 300, so it's at least double. Okay. Some of them are even upwards of like four to 500 yeah. milligrams of caffeine. So a pre-workout is way more caffeine. Yeah. And then you got to think about it like this too, that beta alanine, that citrulline malate. It's got to be that. It gets blood flow in your arms and your yeah. veins. Like you People get, are tingly and stuff. Yeah, that's beta alanine. Okay. So those things add to the effect. It does. And it's one of those things too where you take pre-workout. Maybe the caffeine hasn't even kicked in, but you start feeling tingly from the beta alanine mentally you're like, oh shit, it's yeah. time to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a placebo. Yeah. But that that leads to, to more energy. I mean, on the way down here from Renton or whatever, I'm a cup and a half of coffee coffee in. I'm still yawning. There's no yeah. way I'm ready to go work out. Like You also don't get nearly enough sleep, and your sleep is horrible. But if, if I took pre-workout, I would feel completely different is what I mean. Like, I'm Potentially. assuming – but I, I Can think we take a scoop after this. I think, okay, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you, if you got better sleep though, you would see a tremendous difference from that caffeine, uh, difference from that caffeine. Coffee. Because if you're in a, like kind of like a slump, I don't know if that's the right word. And you oh, take caffeine, you're not going to be able to get out of it. Like okay. if this is baseline and you take caffeine, you're up here. Yeah. But if you're down here because of bad sleep, you might get to here, which is like, Oh, now I feel normal. Okay. You know what I mean? So I get seven hours of sleep and I sleep deep. Yeah. Like nothing wakes me up. Like if the baby monitor is next to me and she's screaming, Shannon has to like shake me to wake up. Like <laughs> I do not wake up. So I have one cup in the morning and I'm like jolted. Yeah. Like I'm like ready to go. But I also don't have terrifying nightmares that keep me up all night. Yeah. Like you do. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> you have a huge audience. It's a, I know. It's a problem. I'm, <laughs> this is accountability. You need help. You need to see a sleep hours, psychiatrist. I, I li- Well. If you lay down for seven hours, that's different than sleeping seven hours. Well, I think I fall asleep. Like, I fall asleep by 1230, and I'm up at 730. That's seven hours. Yeah. But but how often – you should track your sleep one time. Dude, I know. You can do it with your Apple Watch. You can download an app and track it and just wear it one night and see how how much restful sleep you get. Yeah. Some people will sleep seven hours, and they look at it. They're like, I literally slept 30 minutes last night. Damn. And they don't realize it because they're tossing and turning. They never get into deep sleep. Yeah. And that's part, like I told you, because you remember all your dreams, you're more likely not getting into REM sleep and deep sleep. Yeah. Because if you go through all the sleep cycles you're supposed to, mm-hmm. to get truly restful, yeah. you don't remember your dreams. I agree. I'm smirking because I, I just want to tell you about last night. But um, uh, <laughs> This dope. guy has the worst oh, nightmares. Man, it's, it's bad, man. They're vivid. Yeah. It's crazy. 
but yeah, pre-workout, it's beneficial. Um, I don't think it's absolutely needed. I think that's how all supplements are, you know, like none of them are literally needed, but all of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have benefits. Yeah. So there's a reason to take some of them. Hmm. All right. Um, dude, one time my buddy in junior high, like I won't say overdose cause he didn't die, but overdosed on caffeine pills. Oh, I believe it. He took like 15 or 20. Yeah. Probably had a panic attack and went to the hospital. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. You have a seizure. All right. Next question is uh, from my my guy, Jeremiah Blair. My guy. Bear, Bear Blair. Didn't, there's no L there. No. Can't even pronounce my own friend's name. How much do you consider resistance pro- profile when selecting movements in your programming? Good question. So resistance profiles and strength curves are two things that have been popular in kind of like bro science. When I say bro science, it's not that I don't think they're valuable. It's just that they haven't been something that's like really researched. So if we look at a resistance profile, it's kind of like the, res- the curve of resistance. So a band chest press has a different resistance profile or curve than a cable chest press and a dumbbell chest press and a barbell bench press. Because at different ends of the range of motion, there is different loading and different amounts of tension. So, for example, with a cable, it's constant, right? So, I pull down here. That tension never really stops. It's constantly pulling me. With a band, as I go down to the negative, it gets easier because there's less tension on the band, right? Hmm. So, the resistance curve is different. The cable has a constant tension. The band has a specific tension point. Dumbbells are a little bit different too because it's basically all about center of gravity. Depending on where you are in the motion, it's a little bit different, right? Like at the top of a dumbbell press, you have less low because you're in a stacked position compared to the bottom. You're in a deep stretched and it's a very difficult position. Um, So it kind of depends. Now, how much – now if we look at strength curves, strength curves are very similar. um, And it's basically – from my understanding, it's it's kind of like – where is your strength at its peak within those resistance curves, right? So it's all kind of applicable to the same thing. I don't pay too much attention to it because one, I think if you're just intelligent, you can be pretty intuitive. You know what exercises are going to be best for the individual depending on the situation. And two, there was a research study that was done on strength curves and resistance curves, and it showed that they really didn't do shit. So it was basically saying like it doesn't really matter. It, it comes down to the level of effort and intensity you're placing on the muscle and how much volume you do. And that can be accomplished with any resistance curve or profile. So I don't put too much value into it. I don't put too much stock into it. Um, the only time I really pay attention to it is, you know, it, it, certain exercises do better with different resistance curves, not because they're, there's a certain point of the, the movement that's more effective. It's, it's more, more so just because it's a more comfortable movement. Um, I mean, even like a, a cable lateral raise, like that's different than a dumbbell lateral raise. It's yeah. different than a band lateral raise. I'll, I'll play with that. I, I like the resistance curve on, or profile on a cable fly versus a dumbbell fly better because it's safer and easier on your joints than a dumbbell fly typically. And you can load the muscle up easier, safer, and heavier. So in that case, it is applicable. But I don't sit there and go, well, which one has a more beneficial resistance curve? I just know intuitively like – this one's easier on your joints. You can load it up heavier. I'm just going to go with that. If you really dig into it, it probably is because of the resistance curve. Um, but most of the time, I don't put too much stock into it. The study um, was reviewed in Mass Research Review. Jeremiah, I believe you're a part of that. If you're not a part of that, you should be. Same with everybody else listening. It's a great resource. 
um, Greg Knuckles reviewed a study on it and it was really good and, and kind of showed that there's not enough evidence to show that it's actually beneficial. However, it might be useful information to just make variations within a program. Hmm. But it's not something worth putting too much stock into. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jeremiah. There you go. Jer Bear. Jer Bear. I have never called him that, but I'm going to now. I'm not sure you'd like that. Jer Bear. Somebody has had to have said oh, that to I'm him. Oh, I'm sure. All right. What? His mom. <laughs> Next question is from Alex Kluger. It's like Klug. Kevin Klug. Mm-hmm. All right. Alex Kluger, we, how much protein powder is too much? As long as it's not causing any digestive discomfort, where is the line? Or is there even a line for how much of our protein should come? Or, or, okay, this is a run-on sentence. As long as it is not causing digestive comfort, where is the line? Is there even a line? How much of our pro- of our protein should come from protein powder versus whole foods, especially when trying to increase protein during a dieting phase? And particularly for our own plant-based friends. So I, I, there's not really, like, as a general rule of thumb, there's not really a limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all the protein overfeeding studies done by Dr. Jose Antonio and stuff, mm-hmm. they use, like, five or six shakes a day because they're trying to consume double their body weight. So, you know, that's me consuming 340 grams of protein. There's no way I'm doing that with chicken. Like, I would be so miserable so you add a bunch of shakes so yeah. you can hit that protein, right? Um, but even though I don't recommend that, it just basically shows that, like, technically you can. I mean, it doesn't really – there's no limit. Some – excuse me. Some people do have digestive issues with protein. So it's all – it's just person by person. Um, usually the people who have issues with protein powders, it's not a matter of, like, two shakes versus three. It's a matter of, like, a single shake or, or none. So if you have digestive issues, it's like, yeah, just eliminate the shake period. Um, now my recommendation is like 25% or less mm-hmm. of your protein intake coming from protein shakes. Cause I mean, I consume two scoops of protein powder every single day. So that's 50 grams, but what about I consume 200 grams one a day. in the morning, one in the evening. So I have one in my Greek yogurt pre-workout yeah. and then I have one at night as like a snack. Yeah. But it's still the smallest portion of my protein. The rest of my protein comes from Greek yogurt or eggs or steak or pork or whatever. So I usually say like 75% of your protein should probably come from real food. True. And then just remember too, like when you're trying to lose fat and increase your protein, you're going to be more satiated if you eat it because uh, technically a protein powder is already digested for you. It's completely broken down. So it makes it way quicker and easier to digest, which is the benefit of it. But if you're in a diet, you're going to be hungry. And if you're hungry, when you want something that takes longer to eat and make you more satiated. And then on top of that, if you have to do the digestion part of it, you're actually burning more calories by eating it. If you drink a shake, you don't have to digest as much. You don't burn as many calories. Yeah. So, like, if you're dieting, I always say, like, when you're dieting, you should have less protein shakes. Yeah. I noticed that when I take protein shakes, not a big digestive guy. Yeah. But yeah, A lot of people aren't. But yeah. it's just, like, one of those things to just cut it out completely, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, last one. Um, last question, and then we'll do a personality question. Yep. Do you already have one? No. No. I'll think of it. Don't worry. I got a bunch in my head. Ta- Tabby Mays. Tabby. Okay, sorry. There's t- two questions, or it might be two parts. When transi- uh, 
When trans- transitioning to uh, intuitive eating, when does the food scale go away? Or if I want to continue tracking macros, can I go without one? Um, that's a hard question to answer. I think it, d- it kind of depends on the person, you know? I yeah. think uh, it, Do you want to take it away? Yeah, it depends on what intuitive eating is to you because for some people, intuitive eating means you're not tracking anything. Yeah. For others, it's like, I, I want to be intuitive. Okay, well, what does that mean? I just don't want to use my fitness pal anymore. Okay, well, do you want to weigh food? Yeah, I don't care about that. Okay, well, cool. If you need to weigh the food to make sure that you have the right amount of protein per meal because you know that like four to six ounces of meat is like the, the portion size or whatever it may be, then keep using the scale. But if you're trying to shift to intuitive eating, most likely you're, you're trying to weed out all tracking devices. Um, I would probably say, you know, for some people, if you learn enough during the coaching process, like that you don't even have to have like a long drawn out transition. It's like start being intuitive today. Let's track your calories in a few days and see if you're pretty accurate, you know, yeah. or like just track your weight. Like realistically, you should be able to just transition right away and just track your weight um, and just keep eating how you were eating without actually measuring it all. Um, you know, if you do the measurements, the tracking properly, you should be able to look at a piece of meat or pour enough eggs or whatever to get a close range. You know, you're within a certain amount of protein. That's all that really matters. A certain amount of carbs is all that really matters. Um, and if you get good at that through tracking, you should be able to just transition right into it sure. and then just track your weight. Because if you start intuitive eating and in two weeks your weight comes up, then you go, okay, now I'm going to measure my food because obviously I'm overeating. Yeah. I'm not measuring properly. Yeah. Weigh your food and everything. And then you go, oh yeah, like I'm, I was definitely overeating and that that's your course correction. But I think sometimes it's like one of those things where you almost have to like avoid dipping your toes in the cold water. Just jump in. Yeah. You know, get to swimming. I like that. I think that's like the. So uh, second part is you may have already done this before, but can you describe what a a good deload week may look like? Yeah, I think it depends on how. (laughs) I say that a lot. Um, It depends on the. As long as you explain the depends. Yeah. It depends on the individual that I'm working with, like what their preference is. I have some people that are very, very structured and analytic like they want to know exactly what to do and with those individuals i will keep the program exactly how it is and just drop volume and drop intensity so for somebody like that like anything that's above three sets i'll drop down to three sets right so if it was four or five sets i'll drop down to three um and i will drop down the rir or rpe down so if their rir was one like you only leave one in the tank i'm making it three or four so i'm purposely leaving three or four reps in the tank in order to do that, you either have to do less reps or less weight. Either way, the the s- s- like central fatigue, the s- systemic fatigue, total fatigue is going to drop down. So during a deload, you can literally just change your level of effort and intensity, which is going to in there for change your loads and then change your volume. I seem to get more benefit out of um, just having like a fun week. Like so this is my deload week this week. And normally I lift six days a week and I was like, I'm only going to lift four days a week this week. And I'm going to kind of mess around. So instead of doing a push pull legs, I'm doing an upper lower. So I'm probably cutting my volume by like a third. So I'm cutting down my volume for sure. I didn't, I don't touch a barbell on my deload week. I just tend to like, so instead of barbell bench, a dumbbell bench, it's just easier on my joints. I can go a little bit lighter, get a pump. Um, and I usually do a little bit conditioning. So yesterday we did, uh, or the day before, cause yesterday I was doing my haircut here instead. Um, thank God. Uh, I did four minutes assault bike, four minutes rower, four minutes running 
on the treadmill and then four minutes of sled pulls nonstop, two minute rest in between each one at about like 70% of max effort. So by the end of the four minutes, I'm breathing, I'm sweating, but within two minutes, I'm ready to go again. Like it wasn't max effort. But that's a good workout to just work your cardiovascular system, which is going to help improve the oxidative aerobic system, which is going to help recovery. And you're not loading the joints. You're not like lifting heavy weights. Um, and then today I'm doing legs. I'm probably literally going to do some kettlebell front squats, like three sets. I'm going to do some leg extensions and then some uh, glute ham raise, like literally three exercises. Call it good. So I cut my day in half. Now, I've been doing when – when I do high-volume programming, when it's time for deload, I'm like – I'm yeah. like deloading yeah. tough. So I'm taking it pretty far. Like I, I chopped down volume and like, I, honestly, now the thing is probably like in half yeah. in, in intensity goes down. Um, I take more days a week off um, and I'm fine skipping days in the gym. Like, you know, there's some really, really famous bodybuilders that were really good at bodybuilding who would take full weeks, um, sometimes full months off once a year. So they would like train their asses off for 11 months and then take the last month of the year off completely. Or they would train hard for three months and then take a full week of just, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to go on walks, you know? And I think people are so afraid to lose muscle if they do that. Like, you can't lose anything in a week. It takes so long to lose literal muscle tissue on your body. Um, and even strength. If you take one week off from the gym, it'll take you a half a week to get that strength back. Month, month's a little bit of a stretch. If you take a month off, it'll take you a week or two to get your strength back. Guarantee. Studies show once you go past three months, that's when some serious neural and muscle tissue things happen. So if you're bedridden for three months, you're definitely going to lose some muscle tissue and you're going to lose some strength. Yeah. Um, but less than three months, it's it's about a month. Within a month, you really won't have any issues. So for some people, I'm, I'm just like, hey, like, like for me right now, it's literally like my deload week says have fun. That's literally what it says. It's like just do whatever. Just don't train more than four days a week. It's like, cool. It's going to fuck around. Instead of six. Instead of six. Okay. So you – but. When I trained four days a week, I didn't take more days off because yeah. I was already taking a couple of days off. I just dropped my volume in half. Yep. But but again, so like I've week. been, man, like the volume has been so high that I like this week. I was like, I need this. Like yep. I, I'm I'm feeling it. So for me, I was like, I'm totally fine, just chilling, just not doing much. You know, taking it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I I was thinking incorrectly because I was thinking that you were training five days a week, but. I'm about to start training five days a week. Instead of six? Yeah, we're changing it because I'm just – I mean, after a while, like I think with high-volume programs, it's good. But six days a week's a lot, you know. So after 14, 15, 16 weeks, your body starts to take a hit. So it's good to – there's actually some research that kind of alludes to this. It's not 100% yet, but phasing in high-volume periods of time. So spending three, four months doing a ton of volume and then backing off for a few months. Mm. And then so I might return to a six-day-a-week plan in a few months when I'm like, man, I feel good now and I want to get after it. Um, and my lifestyle is going to be easier with five days because it's starting to get nice out. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like sometimes on Saturdays, I'm not going to come to the gym. Yeah. So it's better for me to just go Monday through Friday and then maybe I want to go – like we in the summers, we love going to like Rustin Way or going on yeah. trails and stuff like that. Like yeah. I just don't want to worry about it. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to get back into hiking. So – having a day every week that I can go on a hike is going to be nice. Dope. I just was wondering if you had a day of the week intended to not work out. Mm -hmm. Sunday. You work out Sundays usually? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I mean on the deload week. You said you went down to four. Yeah, it's kind of just how I feel. So like Monday we did upper body. Tuesday we did some conditioning. Wednesday I was going to do legs. You were. I was so that's what legs. I'm saying. Wednesday you didn't intend to not work out. 
No. Okay, that was my question. No. Um, I was I was so I was gonna take today off. Okay, that um, was my question. But yesterday the barber came late and I wanted my haircut way too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'll skip the workout. Yeah. Um. So you're gonna then, do yesterday's workout today? Yep. And then tomorrow I'm gonna lift correct. lift again, and then Saturday I'll probably take off. So I might actually end up only lifting three days this week. Well, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, no, Mon- yeah, Tuesday was conditioning though. I didn't lift. Oh. So when I say like I, I cut my workouts in half or I take more rest days, I mean lifting. Okay. So like Tuesday was technically like an active recovery day. Oh. It took me, it was total, total work time was 16 minutes. Four things, four minutes each, two minute break in between. So we ended up going for, what is that? 22 minutes. Gotcha. Not that long for a full workout. No. And all of it was at 70%. It's all cardio. Just got a little sweat and bounced. You Dope. know, so like stuff like that is typically what I try to do. Dope. Um, and just prioritize recovery. Yeah. Just feel better. But I'm excited to get into a five-day because I think it's going to be a good change of pace. And part of the reason for that, too, is because now I can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When do you start that? Thursday off next week. Monday. Friday, Saturday. So then Thursday, when we're filming a bunch of content, I'm not like, okay, we just shot four workouts. Now I got to train. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah. Like, I literally just did 20 exercises. Yeah. And we just go circuit style, yeah, which is great. You got to do it, but um, but it's gonna be nice to do that for sure, man. Well, that's the end of those questions. So, uh, what personality question you got? Yeah. Um, okay. If you had to have one skill, all right, any skill in the world you can have, mm-hmm. what would it be, and why would you have that skill? You're gonna laugh at mine. Fly or uh, no? <laughs> not a fake skill. Not a superpower. Oh. Like a literal skill. Oh. You're just going to be build things or something. No. Uh, so you said Andreas the other day, I'd laugh my ass off. Yeah. You're like, dude, you can build things. Dude, he builds so much shit. Yeah. He had this like big tank on top of his Hummer. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, what is that? And yeah. he's like, oh, I built a shower. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's got a high pressure thing that heats it up. And then there's a hose that comes out of it. So if I got to rinse off my is boots, your, I'm like. Is that your intent? Uh, you just built that? Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a trailer. I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm building it. Like you're building a trailer, and he's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be like a trailer, and then it's gonna have a, a like a camping tent that comes out of it with like a, a bridge thing over, and then like a porta potty that comes out." And I was like, "You're fucking building that?" Why can't you buy it? He so he went to buy one. Yeah. Saw it was like, I think I could build that. Yeah. And decides to go build it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what he, the? Yeah. I mean, me fucking respect, because I mean, yeah. That's wild. But I mean. Unless you're an actual engineer, I'm not taking any credit away from him, but I just think that like a trailer is something you probably shouldn't build. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> For safety reasons. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is like, so he started a real estate company, which started by him literally building and reconstructing homes. Yeah. So he's done everything you can think of. He's worked on cars, like yeah. so. He, I think he has enough that's experience like, to do it, but that's something you gotta like weld and yeah. and like f- frame not frame this isn't a thing Dude, you build has, out of wood he has a tool for everything <laughs> literally i'm like oh we got to do tile oh i got a glass tile cutter what yeah, you know the blades made out of diamonds i'm excited to see this trailer yeah yeah that's uh, mad respect for sure that's just not something i think you just say man this is get my side project <laughs> yeah i don't know but yeah anyway um a skill dude Maybe, or, dude, I don't know. I'm not very mechanic. I'm kind of mechanically challenged. I'm like debating between two. Yeah, go for it. I don't know. So I'm debating between 
being able to sing and dance. Oh yeah. And singing guitar. Yeah, dude, that's a big one. The, so like I personally would rather be able to sing and play guitar, yeah. but sometimes I also watch fucking Usher or Chris Brown and I'm like, dude, how are you singing and dancing like yeah. that? What are you doing with your feet right now? How are you walking like that? You're moonwalking. I'm so beyond dancing or beyond over dancing. Oh, I'm just I, I mean, I love it, but singing But it. it would just be cool as hell to be able to like just you're at your friend's wedding and you just pull out some Chris Brown shit. Yeah. It'd be cool. I, I, I do. I mean, you do that. Absolutely. <laughs> you may not think it's just like Chris Brown, but I do. Especially the best, at, by the reception. Yeah. The best is, <laughs> and that's very true. Some of you guys were dancing hard at my wedding. The funniest thing is when like the, like, I'll never forget Cameron's dad. Like the, basically the groom's dad just starts going off. Any parent, yeah, Cameron Hayes. His yeah. dad was yeah, 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 crushing it. But I think I would choose guitar and sing. Yeah. I think I would sing and play Man, guitar. Dude, I, don't, I would gonna... love to be able to just grab a guitar and just sing and just be chilling and yeah, just rip. Absolutely, be sick. And, or not rip, just casual. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's I'm not gonna use that same answer, dude. I'd um be a professional athlete. Mm. Any sport in particular? Probably baseball. Mm. What? Really? Yeah, highest. Uh, guaranteed contracts. Uh, I was like, that's like the sport you watch the least. I know they less least amount of injuries unless you're a pitcher. But yeah, but at the same time, like if you're a pro athlete, you're rich. So not, not particularly. I mean, I mean I you're not. right, but you're wrong. I'm just saying, time. I would rather pick an, a sport that I like love versus one that gets yeah, what paid you, most. What if you get a a, a one year, one million dollar contract? You tear your ACL playing basketball. Yeah. I mean, you can still get hurt. You're gonna be well, if we're talking about that, I'd be a golfer, pro golfer. Dude, guaranteed. There you go. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say yeah. that, honestly. Because you love I, golf. I don't think of good things. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely pro golfer. Not, not a huge thinker. No. Uh, <laughs> pro golfer would be sick. Dude, that'd be so sick. I'm already pro. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty good at golf. Yeah, absolutely. I'm horrible. Yeah. Not a big golfer. All right, well. That's a good personality question. Guys, if you're listening and you have a personality question, send them in because oh, we yeah. struggle with creating them. Sometimes yeah. people have some really good – I've had people send, they're like, all right, you're stuck on an island. You have this, this, and you can only do this. What do you – like?" <laughs> I'm like, whoa, where did you think of this? Yeah. So if you guys got any personality questions, send them in. There's a link in the show notes of this podcast to ask us questions. Um, and even if you don't have a personality question, you have a nutrition question, you have a business question, you have a training question, you have a lifestyle question, you have any kind of question, please go click that link in the show notes, ask a question because we use it as ammunition to give you guys more free content. And we appreciate when you send them in. Um, thanks for listening. Deuces. Deuces. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.